Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, as we open your word, uh, we pray your blessing upon it. And we pray we'll continue to worship through it, be with our children and our early childhood departments as they continue to study your word, learn from your word, interact with it as well. And maybe we go home today refreshed from having been in your presence and spending time with your holy word this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Some years ago, some of you that are a little older than me even, of course, remember, um, there was a very popular song, I think Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, and a few others of that era, I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. Have you ever heard that song? Make believe it, uh, it came from you to me. I'm going to write words oh so sweet, they're going to knock me off my feet, you know. And uh, he writes himself a letter, signs it from his girlfriend, and uh, sprinkles it with love and kisses and everything, and uh, write myself a letter. So this week, I got a letter from myself in the mail. You might have got a letter from me, too. If you're on our church mailing list, we sent out our annual Thanksgiving letter, which, of course, is an opportunity to remind us about our mission work and we like to send a Christmas gift to all of our missionaries. So I received a letter in the mail from myself, sat right down and wrote myself a letter this week. And um, I don't write many letters anymore. Actually, I don't know when I actually wrote an entire letter really a whole letter, other than to you and to me, for church business, okay? Um, you know, there's notes, there's cards, and things like that, but we don't write letters much anymore, uh, at least I don't, and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of you don't, and, um, and it kind of dawned on me as I was preparing for our message this morning, thinking about letters, that um, there's a generation here that are never going to have the experience I had as a young, young, young actually younger than you guys, um, maybe more like uh, older children's church age, uh, going down in my basement uh, one day and rummaging around looking for some things, you know, finding an old trunk and opening it up and going through stuff and finding love letters from my dad in the Army to my mother uh, back in the 40s. And, you know, as a kid, it's like, oh, yuck, you know, what, <laughs> you know, what, you know, you know, these romantic letters and things like these, you know, that are quite personal and stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, your parents were never supposed to be in love, you know, they were just kind of showed up with you, you know. And, uh, and I was, you know, I, I still remember finding those letters. And, of course, I didn't tell my mom. And I just think about that. I'm not sure what happened to them. I'm sure she I don't know what happened to those letters. Um, but my dad was in the army and wrote those letters. So today, um, as we think about letters and we think about the Pauline epistles and we're thinking about uh, Thanksgiving today, and we're doing a short series here on the season of thanks. And what are we thankful for? And I want uh, Cliff to put up a couple of passages of scripture. We'll include at the end the one from Philippians this morning. But first of all, um, for I thank, this is from uh, Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Now, I want you to notice a couple of themes that are consistent in these passages. There's, there's, there's two things that go together in these passages that, are, that, are, that I want to connect this morning. First, I thank my God. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith 
is being reported all over the world. God, and I left part of it out, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times uh, for you. Okay? I left out a word there. We, Colossians 1.3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians 1.2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. And 2 Timothy 1.3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. And then the next passage, Cliff, from Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 5. I'd like you to open your Bibles up to this passage this morning. Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Thanks, Cliff. So what are the, there's a couple of things that go together in each one of those passages. What do you, I'll just tell you. I mean, it's, it's, you'll notice, I mean, I know you probably got it. Um, what goes together is thanks for people and what? Prayer. I had never really, really noticed that so clearly as I was looking at this because our topic today, when we think about a season of thanks, I wanted us to consider today our thankfulness for other people. People who have impacted our lives, people who have changed our lives, people that God has used. And to give God thanks for something as simple as people. But as I was looking at these passages, all of a sudden, and there's, there's several more actually that I could, I could put up there as well, that, you know, when, when, when Paul, when Paul begins these epistles, I mean, I just, I'm going to remind you, I just, I know you know this, but just to remind you when you're reading Paul's epistles or the general epistles, they are letters. They were letters. They were personal letters, but to a congregation or to an individual like, like Titus and Timothy. They were, they were written to be read in one setting. You know, for us, we've had the opportunity for the last 2,000 years to study them, to dissect them, to consider them carefully. And we have to because so much very important Christian doctrine, and doctrine is a very good word, is something that we need to understand uh, we teach our children and young people Christian doctrines and Christian truth because that's what we base our Christian life on. And so, as, and so we, we've had the opportunity to study them, but I want you to put yourself in, the, in, the, in the, first, the first century in the church at Philippi, this new group of believers, Jew and Gentile, that have come together as Christians, and they are there in this setting, however many there were, and they are, they are trying to sort out this whole new Christian faith and how they do things and how you act as a church and what does it mean. All they have is the Old Testament. The Jews have that. Um, they have maybe bits and pieces. As far as you know, the Gospels have not circulated yet. They would have bits and pieces of the sayings of Jesus Christ. But as, but as far as we know from church history, it's pretty, pretty well accepted. Actually, the first group of books or a group grouping of church uh, we call books the bible to circulate were paul's epistles including hebrews uh, were the first to circulate in the church and so they don't have much and you can imagine the anticipation as they as they waited and the news was out there is a letter from the apostle paul coming to us we are going to receive a letter from paul and as they gathered together and sat there and anxiously 
sat and listened to somebody read that letter start to finish in its entirety. That's why it's good for you sometimes. Just sit down and read an epistle from start to finish like you're reading a letter. In the first century, when letters were written, there was a, normally there was a health wish. And, you know, we do that too, or we, when we wrote letters, it used to be, you know, we would write things like, I hope, I hope this letter finds you well. I hope all is good with you. Um, I hope your family is well. We do that today, when, at least when we wrote letters. Oftentimes we would begin or end a letter with that. Um, dear sirs, you know, to whoever may concern is a little more impersonal, but, or if you're writing a love letter like my dad did, uh, he certainly used my mom's name, Eunice, called her Uni. Um, and, you know, he didn't say, uh, dear Mrs. Walters, you know, or Miss Walters, you know, it's his fiance. Um, and so as, as they wrote these letters, though, it was common in the first century to write uh, letters with a health wish. But the Apostle Paul, when he writes his letters, they're quite different from the normal first century Roman era letter because of what we just read. Let's look at it again. Philippians chapter 1, 3. Now, Pastor Kevin is teaching Philippians in uh, his Sunday school elective. So, um, they'll be they'll be covering some of the things that were up on the board that really connect with this. They'll be covering in his class. We're just taking this, just these couple of verses here. I thank my God. This is a typical Pauline greeting after verse 2. Grace, peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every, notice, every time I remember you in all, every all, my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. And the verse that was up this morning, beginning in verse 9, uh, that section will cover what his prayer for them is. He tells us what his prayer for them is. So you'll notice that every, all, all, you know, this, this completion that, that Paul says, I am praying for you all the time. And, and I pray for all of you. And I pray in every occasion. When Paul writes this, you know, Paul, Paul rarely thanks the Lord for things. Paul rarely thanks the Lord for things. Um, in Philippians, we will find the passage where he talks about, I, I have all things. You know, you, you, you have supplied my need. God has supplied my need through you. But he rarely thanks God for things. He thanks God for people most often. And the thanks and the prayer. So I guess this morning what I want you to think about is, as you give thanks to God for people, it's biblical that we also connect it with prayer. That we pray for people as we thank. The two go together. As you pray for people, you give thanks for people. As you give thanks for people, you pray for people. And in, with Paul, the thanks and the prayer are always directed to God. They are always directed to God for these people that have meant so much to them, and likewise uh, he to they. In Philippians, this, in prayer, you'll find that thanks and joy go together. Now, I'm going to remind you, where is Paul when he writes this, this, this epistle? It is one of the what? What epistles? Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, what are they? They are the prison epistles. Paul is in prison while he writes this. This last missionary conference, we had Dwight Anderson with us to share about prison mission association and the great work 
that they are doing. It was really exciting to me to hear uh, what they are doing and what he is trying to initiate and get going and how that group ministry is expanding. Paul is in prison. Now, yes, he's under house arrest. He's not in a dungeon. He is not, you know, in the deepest, dankest prison. He will be there. When he writes Second Timothy, we believe that's when he's writing for more of a, a solitary confinement type jail cell. Uh, we visited that, the Mamertine prison, when we were in Rome. But he is a prisoner. He has been a prisoner for four years. Oftentimes you think of Paul's imprisonment just for the two years in the book of Acts, but don't forget, he was in prison two years in Caesarea in Israel before he was transferred by ship to Rome. So if you take the trip to Rome, the two years and the two years, you got four to five years, Paul was a prisoner. He could not come and go. He could, people could come to him. He was chained to a guard. He talks about his chains. Um, he is in prison. He is a prisoner. And as he is in prison, what means the most to Paul while he is in prison? What does he give God thanks for? And you read these prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. You read these epistles and you see how deeply he cares for and how important it is other people. Philippians chapter 3 Chapter 1, I thank God every time I remember you. And and it's interesting, in in, in all my prayers for all of you, and I want you to notice this word joy that becomes such an important part. He prays for them, he thanks God for them, and he he does so with joy. I was recently reading um, in one of my devotional books I have, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who Dietrich Bonhoeffer was... In Germany during World War II, and he was a, a, a pacifist, and um, but he got involved with one of the leaders in what we call the Confessing Church that that stood against Nazism and Hitler. Uh, in fact, he came to America and he was he was asked to stay here, but his his response was, I, "If I if I if I stay here, how can I go back and help rebuild my country after the war? And uh, I have to go back." And he went back. He ended up in a concentration camp because he joined the plot to kill Hitler and uh, to try and put an end to it. And he was in prison in Flossenburg. And he write, and toward the end of his life, I mean, I just I was thinking about a prisoner. And what, what kind of things do you write about, do you think about in prison? One of his last letters, in fact, is one of his, his last letter. He talks about his parents can go ahead and give away everything that, that he, he says. I've, I've learned when I'm in prison, you don't, you don't need much. Go ahead and give it away. Yeah, I, I don't need much. I understand for two years. I understand what it means. But he writes this from prison. In the long run, one of his last letters from prison before he was actually he was hung. Uh, he was hung uh, just before the camp was liberated. In the long run, human relationships are the most important thing in life. The modern quote efficient man can do nothing to change this, nor can the demigods and lunatics who know nothing about human relationships. God uses us in his dealings with others. People are more important than anything else in life. That certainly doesn't mean undervaluing the world of things and practical efficiency. But what is the finest book or picture or house or estate to me compared to my wife, my parents, or my friend? One can, of course, speak like that only if one has found others in one's life. For many today, man is just a part of the world of things because the experience of the human simply eludes them. 
we must be very glad that this experience has been amply bestowed on us in our lives. What do you write from prison? Uh, what was on his heart? It was the people, not the things. And the Apostle Paul gives God thanks for the people. And as he prays for them, I want you to notice what's really interesting also, as you read in this passage, in, in, verse, in verse 4, when Paul says, In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy. And again, this all-inclusiveness. So you get the impression that, that Paul is spending a lot of time in prison remembering people, thanking God for them, and praying for them. And the word he uses for prayer here is not... There is another word that's used for prayer that's a little more uh, the normal word you might think of for prayer, but like in any language, there are different words that are used. The word that's used here uh, for, for prayer that, that Paul uses here Deasis is really clearly in a word for intercession, for asking, for begging, for, for ask, for please, please do this. Please do this. In, in Romans chapter 1, he talks about asking God, please let me go. When he addresses the Roman council in Acts, he uses the same word, please, if I may, uh, speak to you. So it's the word for please. It's, it's clearly the word in prayer. There are words that are used uh, more for worship for adoration. This is the word that's used for really intercession, for pleading, for pleasing on God's behalf. So what Paul is doing here is he, as he prays for the Philippians, he is asking God, please God, do this for them. Thank you for these people. And God, please do this. Please allow me to come and visit them. He talks about this. Please. And this is the word that he specifically used here in Philippians. Please God. It's to fulfill a need for them in a very special situation. That's why in verse 9, and we'll let Kevin cover this when he gets in his class on this, in verse 9 where he talks about what his prayer for them is. He's very specific. And God, here's what I'm pleased asking for you. When was the last time that you prayed for someone and in, and in, in real sincerity, please God, you can do this. You can do this. I, I, uh, at least if you don't mind, you know, we've been praying this last year and, and I know at times I say, God, you can do this if you choose. And uh, Lisa will be having another surgery here in November. It's the next stage. And we've been so thankful for, for that. We've been praying for Steve Lowen. God, please, you could, you could do this. We, we please do this, God. You know, and we, and we pray and we, and we pray in God's will. And we understand, we, 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 we try to pray and say, you know, but not my will, but yours be done as the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are asked, we are told in the Bible, the prayers of a righteous man, what? Is effective. You know, you don't have to untangle all the questions about the sovereignty of God and, and free will. and all. You know, at some point you've got to let go of it. And what the Bible says, the prayers of a, of a righteous person are effective. And we should be thanking God for each other, thanking God for people in our lives, thanking God for people in need, and at the same time, not just thanking God, but praying for them and imploring God. There is nothing wrong with begging God. There's nothing wrong with that. Now look at the, look at the people in the Bible. Even the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, this one is one that, I, you know, we could never begin to comprehend. We know why he came. We know what he had to do. And yet he prayed, Lord, if, the, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. How could he say that? 
How can he say that? But he asked that. Then he said, but God, not my will, but yours be done. Philippians, I'm thanking God for you, and I'm pleading for you. And I'm, and God, please do this for them. And again, as we, as we move on, I want you to notice the always, every, all words here. This was Paul's life. Paul, I, I, just, I can imagine Paul in prison. All those days, those lonely days, people coming and going, yes. He would love to have been out traveling and planting churches and building them up and visiting them. I mean, this was an absolute crucial time in church history. The churches had just been planted in this Gentile world. They were under attack. They were under fire. Philippians will see this. The church from without is, is beginning to be persecuted already. Within, he, he, later on in this letter, he pleads with Eudike and Synthike, Eudio and Synthike, please get along. There's divisions in the church. This is an absolute critical time in church history. And the apostle to the Gentile world is stuck in prison for almost five years between Caesarea and Rome. Can you imagine his heart? God, why? Why do you have me here? Why? Please, God, I want to get to these Philippians. I want to help them. And, he, and his days were spent with, with longing and, and maybe anguishing and, and joyful, thankful prayers for people. And the letters are coming and going and the messages are coming and going. And, he, and all day long, what is he doing? He's praying for people and he's thanking God for people. And of course, from that time period, left us these epistles that have, that have so impacted our lives. These prison epistles that we would never have had. If that's not where he was. Always. All. And all of you. In everything. Listen friends. We give thanks for other people. Our thanks should go together with prayer for other people. And we need to give God thanks because we understand God uses other people to shape our lives. Look at First Thessalonians chapter three, if you will. You go a few pages in your Bible. One of Paul's actually earlier epistles is placed after the prison epistles, but it really was written before the prison epistles. In First Thessalonians chapter three, in verses nine and ten, Paul. And remember, this is the church we we did a study on Paul's second missionary journey this summer. And uh, we looked at you know, Paul's ministry to Thessalonica and how he was kind of run out of town. And yet he really is complimentary toward this church and how they flourished and grew and the, and the, and the reputation they, they had. And you look in chapter 3, and, and um, I wanted to begin at verse 9, but I, I think we should know verse 8. Paul says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. I mean, this is Paul's life. The fact that this church is standing firm, that gives him life and, and energy and, 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 and confidence in God. How can we thank God? Thank God. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Look at Night and day. Night and day. We pray most earnestly. This is strong language in the Greek, in the Greek translation, in the Greek Testament. We pray most earnestly night and day, what? That we would see you again 
and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he's, he's praying for these people. He's thanking God for these people and these relationships and how, how important this is to him. And he's praying for them. May he strengthen your hearts so you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. People had impacted Paul's life. Paul had impacted their life. There is a three-way bond in the faith community in the church, and you see this in Paul's letters. And you notice this, we are praying earnestly for you. And it goes together again with we are thankful to you. We, th- we thank God for you and we pray for you. And there's a three-way bond between God, Christ, Paul, and the church. It's a three-way bond just as it is with us. You know, we, we have friends. And you should have friends. And, and you have people you work with. You have people live in your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, people in your school, people that, that you rub, relatives. There are, you have friends. Your friends in Christ, your friends in Christ, there is a special bond because uh, you may not go to the same church together. You know, maybe your neighbor or your coworker is, has a whole other, you know, context of their Christian faith, but, but because you're in Christ, there is a bond, isn't there? Isn't there a bond right away that when you find out that this person generally loves the Lord and there's a bond there because it's a three-way bond between Christ and you? And you see this in Paul's letters so clearly as he thanks God for people, this bond that he can't help himself but to pray for them. To pray for them. And so as we consider this season of thanks, I want you to consider the people you are so thankful for that have impacted your lives. And as you do so, are you praying for them? Do you know that they are praying for you? Hawthorne, in one of the commentaries I used this week, said this, Intercession indeed is the fundamental response of love within the brotherhood of believers. There is a special bond that prompts both to pray for each other. The word that Paul uses here in Philippians, let me go back there in closing, go back to Philippians uh, chapter 1 where we started. In Philippians chapter 1, that Paul does say here as he prays for them and he pours out his thanksgiving to God. And he says here in verse 5, you know, in verse 4, I pray for you always, verse 5, why? Because of your partnership, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day I was in Philippi, I went out there by that river and found those, found those ladies praying because there weren't enough Jews evidently for a synagogue. And, the, and that church began, the Philippian jailer, remember the Philippian jailer who, who came to Christ uh, after, after that earthquake in that prison. Um, you know, the, the first European Christians, if you were, well, were in Philippi. And as his church, from the very beginning, Paul says, from day one, we have been partners in the gospel. And the word for partners there is, is the word koinonia. You've probably heard that word. There are koinonia Christian camps, koinonia fellowships. It's a very popular English word, koinonia, that we use. And it has the idea of wholehearted 
participation in every imaginable way with Paul in the labor and suffering necessary to spread the gospel. Friends, the Christian faith community is a koinonia. It is a fellowship. It is a community. And it needs to be. And it should be. In John chapter 17, the Lord prays for his disciples. That beautiful prayer. And I want to encourage you to take time to read that. We were talking on the way home, Gene. We were talking about, I think last week, Gene, you were mentioning how much you love that passage. And, and Paul, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples, he prays to God for his disciples. It's a very touching. And this is before he goes to the cross. It's very personal. And, and he says, and he says, I pray not just for them, but for all those who, who will come to believe in me because of them. And as Gene pointed out, you know, we many have come to Christ because of the very message of, the, of John and the other apostles that were there, Peter and John. And many people have come to Christ from reading their word. I pray, and then, and then as Paul becomes an apostle, and, and he prays that not just for them, but for those who will hear about you from my message. I pray for them. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed deeply and intensely for his disciples who he loved. He loved those men. He says that. I've loved you to the very end. He loved those guys with all their failings and their human conditions just like us. And he deeply, intensely, the last thing he did, he prayed to God before he went out to the, to the, to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed for them. And he prayed for those that would come to faith through them. So let me ask you this. You know, I think back, I think back on the people that have impacted my life. The people that have impacted my life without a doubt are Christian brothers and sisters, people from this, right here in this place. You know, when I was, when I was your guys' age, um, you know, we were involved in youth group and we had a youth pastor. And I think back on that, Dick Ely was here last year for our 50th anniversary. I was only in high school for three years. Uh, back then it was just three years. I didn't, you know, anyway, it was three years, junior high, three years. He was my youth pastor for maybe four or five years. And I'm, and I'm 60 some years old now. Okay. And, uh, at the lower end of the 60-some, okay? <laughs> and this is five years of my life. Four to five years of my life is all it was. It wasn't even 10% of my life. And yet, the impact that he had as my youth pastor on my life was life-changing. People from this church family like Wilson Fossey and so many others, Jeremy spoke when he was here a few weeks ago about Glenn Johnstone, how impactful he was in their lives and in our lives. You know, and I think today, I, I, you know, all of a sudden I've got grandkids going into, they're in youth group, okay? And who's going to impact their life? Kevin's going to impact their life as their youth pastor. It's only going to be a few years, but he's going to impact, he's impacted your lives. I mean, that's just the way it is. Not that we as parents, you know, we impact our lives primarily, but I look back on my life, especially since my dad had died as a young guy, and I, these men in the church, they changed my life. And I think back, and I ask, and I want to ask you, I want to ask you something. Twenty years from now, who will be reflecting on you and giving God thanks for your impact on their lives? Are you investing in people? 
Are we investing in things? We had a service yesterday for Betty Lund. Betty and Arnold were charter members, like many of you here still, that started, you know, these people that started this church, we literally, I say we because I was in junior high at the time, they started with nothing. This church was built from scratch, from nothing. When they started this work, they had to raise the money. They had to, everything had to happen, and it happened in two years. Why? Because they were willing to invest in the ministry of people. And they gave up. I remember as a young person, I remember as your age, I remember thinking clearly that, man, these people gave up what they could have had. They gave up a lot of things they could have had to build us a church. I, I was dumb enough to really believe they did it for us because they did. They built it for us. Who are you investing in? 20 years from now, who is going to say, man, that person really impacted my life. And God, I thank you. And I want to continue praying for them. I want to ask you this today. As we think about a season of thanks, and we think about Paul's genuine heart of thanks to God and his prayers for the Philippians, for their fellowship and the gospel work, for his genuine love for them and their love for him and how they were changing the world, and they were. We see that in Acts, right? When, when, they, when they come in their journeys and the people say, oh, we know who you are. You're the people who are turning the world upside down. I want to ask you, who will be giving thanks for you 20 years from now? 2035. And who are you giving thanks for Today, and you're praying for them as you give thanks. Who is it? Now, in your bulletin, I put a little paper in here. And I, first of all, I want an apology and a disclaimer. Um, I did this. Uh, it's a little salmon-colored thing in your bulletin. So it is not up to the standards of Julie and Daryl and Susie. You may have noticed everything's kind of off-centered and some of it's crooked. And uh, I could blame it on Gary, but that would be a lie. I did this, okay? <laughs> Simply because I didn't get it done before the office closed. It was a busy week and with funerals and so on. Uh, so that, so th- this is my handiwork. When you look at this, you can remember the imperfections that your pastor has in his life, okay? But I just gave this to you just as a little piece of paper, a journal, you could fold this up and stick in your wallet, your pocket, your phone. Um, and I'd like to encourage you in this coming week that each day you would just stop and reflect on who are you praying for? A person. It might be your spouse, might be your children, might be your parents. Yeah, I remember when I was, you know, you guys, when I was, when I was your age, and I sat right over there, kind of where Jeff Patton's sitting right now. And I remember one Sunday, Pastor Peterson asking us, please tell your mom you love her. I couldn't do that. I loved her. She knew I loved her. But we just didn't say that in my family. You know, we were Welsh, that side of the family. You know, you didn't say those kind of things, you know. Uh, you know, kind of the old English, Welsh. Um, And I I felt bad about that, but she knew I loved her. But are you thankful for your parents? Are you thankful for your kids? Are you thankful for somebody in this, are you thankful for somebody across the world? Are you thankful for one of the missionaries that we've been praying for? 
Who are you thankful for? And I'd like you maybe this week, each day, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, it's just a reminder to just jot down a person and pray for them as you give God thanks. Beg God. Plead with God. Pray for them. Implore Him. For whatever you think that would be good for their lives, as you thank God for what they have done for you. I'd like to just suggest this to you as we go our way this week. Okay? Just a thought. Thank God. Come on up and we'll close the service. Thank God for those people who have changed your life, who have impacted and are impacting your life, and pray for them. Be Pauline in your life if you really believe that these are the letters that God has given to us for the church today. And pray for them and ask God for what is best for their lives. Let's close our... What are we going to sing? What are you saying, Gary? Blessed be the tide of binds. You know, as Jerry Snow went home to be with the Lord this week, uh, last night, early this morning, actually, early this morning. And I have had the opportunity to visit with Jerry several times and, uh, and uh, thank him. And I have personally thanked him. You know, this is Veterans Day, right? This week, Wednesday's Veterans Day. You know, Jerry was in Patton's Third Army. That guys that left our shores to go to Europe to free them from the tyranny of Nazism. Uh, his army, his group, liberated death camps. And I, and I thanked him because, as I've told you before, I had a little bit of a personal stake in this. The Jewish community my father was from, and the island of Rhodes was completely wiped out at Auschwitz, including my dad's mother, either on the way there or in the ovens there. There's men like Jerry who sacrificed and freed Europe uh, from what could have been. So I had a chance to thank him while he was still alive. And I did that. And I want to ask you, who do you need to thank? It might be too late next week. Who, can you, who do you need to thank and let them know how thankful you are for the impact they have had on your life? Also, as we close, I... I got the note from uh, Bob, 120,000, almost 121,000 for our missionary pledge drive. So thank you for that. Father, we thank you for, first of all, for you. And we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Why are you chosen to love us? We we will never know. Because you love us so deeply and, and, and you love us so much. And we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to earth and died on the cross for us and paid for our sins and has opened the way to life eternal as we accept your forgiveness for sins. And Father, we thank you. I thank you for the people that you put in my life, people I didn't deserve, who invested in me, who took time to, to, to spend time with me, to give me opportunities to lead, to speak, to, to share in your ministry, to encourage me. And Father, I pray that each one of us will have that interest in someone else. Kevin's asked us to write our stories, to share as a church family. Uh, Lord, who are we investing in? I ask that you would help us to take it serious. And, and, and Father, as we pray for one another, and we will this week, we will this week, We will thank you 
And we will pray for one another that this gospel ministry, this partnership and koinonia in this most important work in the universe will go forward in your name. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.